Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about times when the Scriptures have become real for us because we believe there's power in the Scriptures and we need to draw that power out as much as we can. I'm your co-host, Kerry Mulstein, and with me is my co-host, Lamar (laughs) Newmeyer. Welcome, Lamar. Hey, Kerry, good to see you again. Good, Good to be with you. Uh, we're hitting in the middle of, uh, well, we, we did last week, uh, just the very beginning of first Samuel. So now we're going to hit the meat of, uh, first Samuel and, and really we're covering a lot of material this week. Oh yeah. Uh, and some of, of it is not covered in what they have us read. Uh, I mean, it, it, they, we just can't ask everyone to read everything as fast as we're going. People wouldn't be able to get it all read, but, uh, in this podcast, sometimes we'll touch on some of the things that, that aren't in the assigned reading as it were. Um, just to try and help people connect all of the things that are going on in the scriptures so that the the reading that is assigned will make more sense. And uh, I, I think in this podcast, we'll do a little bit of that. We'll we'll cover one of the chapters that um, is not uh, in the assigned reading, meaning 1 Samuel chapter 7. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I know you have some uh, experiences and some stories with that chapter. I, I'm going to for our viewing audience, I'm just going to share a screen uh, so we can put that that uh, scripture block up so we have okay, it. Okay, yeah. Uh, but why don't you go ahead and kind of uh, walk us through uh, your thoughts regarding 1 Samuel 7 and, and whatever else. Yeah, so this is it's kind of a, a small thing. It's even it's, it's a blip as far as the scriptures go. And um, there isn't that much of the story about this particular experience I have, but here's what happened. So I was volunteering for the uh, dedication in the open house of the Phoenix Temple, and I was listening to the. Uh, so they had they had an intro when you would come in. Uh, for those who were going through the open house, they would come in and, and they had "Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing" playing, and that would play, and I, I listened to it several times because I was there for you know you know several hours, and for some reason that song just started ringing in my head and I thought this is I've heard it many times before but it really started to make an impact just the spirit was very strong in general in that whole uh experience and it just started really ringing in there and when the men would sing now I'm, there's different versions of that song the song was actually written um back in the 1800s and um in fact I have that information here I'll get to it in a second but in that song they're talking about um the 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 men start to sing in the Mac Wilberg version of if you listen to the uh, the Tabernacle Choir, they'll have that part that says, "Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by Thy help I've come." And I'm like, I know it, I know I know that word Ebenezer. It's it's where do I know that from? It's in the scriptures somewhere. And I went and looked it up, and it comes from Second Samuel or from First Samuel, sorry, chapter seven. And as was the practice a few times, a little background here. Uh, back in Deuteronomy, you'll see they, they, the Israel did this. They would win a victory and they would raise a monument. And they'd say, the Lord helped us in this spot. But then later the Lord says, hey, knock it off. It's not the stone that's helping you. It's me that's helping you. Don't go worship the stone. But in this particular case, there's a spot where it's in, the, uh, in, in a valley where Samuel has had two previous defeats. And they finally have a victory, and it's a pretty big victory. They get back the stone, or they get back the Ark of the Covenant, which has been lost for the first time in Israel's history, has been lost to another culture, another group. 
and they recover this and they have an area there and they raise it. So Carrie, you've got it up there. Um, they're in the children's see. So they recover it and see verse 12 verse 12 yes then samuel took a stone and set it between mizpah and shen and called it and called the name of it eben ezer saying hitherto the lord help us helped us so in the song it says uh here i raise my ebenezer hither by thy help i've come and i hope by thy good blessing safely to arrive at home so so for some reason at that particular time it really hit me and i'm like hmm there are times in your life when you just want to uh what recognize a recognize that you've hit a milestone or you've done something good and so i thought how have we taken that time to say hey i've come a long way i, I was back there a while ago and now i'm here and that doesn't mean we're not going to fall and we're going to do some things but we've we've done some good things here and uh and I like where I'm at. So I like that. I like that imagery, but even more than that, I really liked, um, in this whole, um, in that one, I, it says here, the imagery that he comes up with the, Oh, and let me give you some background on the ministry. The hymn was written by Robert Robinson. He was a Baptist minister. It was actually written in, uh, 1757. So it's a way, uh, way long time ago. <laughs> That's the official term way long time ago. And I like this later on, he talks about in this, in this, uh, in this song, um, he said he, he's throughout the chorus. He says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it prone to leave thy court above. So the idea in this song is he keeps leaving the Lord. He keeps departing. He keeps messing up. He sins, he falls away, but the Lord brings him back keeps bringing him back and that's the idea that we see here through uh these these trials that israel goes through they they win a good victory the lord blesses them they have a great harvest they're 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 safe for a period of time and then they fall away and they fall after idols and they have this reoccurring cycle and we see this in the book of mormon as well the nephites and the lamanites and, and you think can't these guys get it straight i mean but then i think well, we're reading about hundreds of years here. How many times do we not get it straight? Yeah. So that was kind of the idea that I that I had, and I really connected with that song, and it made me think. It gave me a whole more, whole another facet to First uh, Samuel chapter seven, and I'm like, oh, a very small little passage about the Ebenezer, but I'm like, that. Why did why did um, this pastor, Robert Robinson, put this in there? Why did he say? Here I raise my Ebenezer. Here thereby I hope to come. What, what's what's the imagery he's he's evoking in our mind right there? What do you think about that, Carrie? You have any ideas on? Yeah, uh, I, I think there. I mean, this is maybe worth exploring a little bit of of two bits of history here because we've got, um, as you said, the history of uh, stones being raised to remember something so and, and we even had uh, you and I mentioned this once before when we were doing Joshua and that they raised uh, stones up uh, as they went through the River Jordan and we said that might even be the first Ebenezer and we had uh, one of our uh, really thoughtful uh, audience members uh, leave a comment saying well you know what about some of these earlier things that happened even Adam or Jacob so 
Uh, and that's a good point. I mean, Adam uh, made an altar, and then I guess in a way that could be considered an Ebenezer. And, sure. Right. And Jacob made an altar uh, commemorating what God had uh, done for him when he had his um, his vision there. And and so in a way that could be an Ebenezer. But sure. Um, but really, uh, what an Ebenezer seems to be. So that literally, the word comes from uh, Evan, which is stone, and Ezer, which is help. So a stone oh, of yeah. helping. Uh, and it's just a stone to help you remember that God has helped you. And as you said, we, we've seen it in Deuteronomy. We saw it in Joshua. My guess is there were plenty of times before that that just didn't make it into the scriptures. Uh, but none of them are given that name. They're, they kind of serve that function. But I, I love this one here. Um, it's certainly in Deuteronomy and definitely in Joshua, they are built to commemorate a time where God helped them. Um, but, but I love this one here because it, it, you're at an interesting stage in Israel's development. Uh, you've gone through the period of judges where they're really kind of eh, not doing well much of the time. Um, and this is towards the end of that stage. Samuel is the last judge. So they're still uh, in the period of judges. It will be the next chapter where they'll ask for a king. But uh, Samuel, they're still in that period of judges. And uh, just before this is when they've had this kind of low point where they almost destroyed the, the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, there's, it says that every man does that which is right in his own eyes. And then Samuel comes, and he's really trying to get them to repent. Um, just before Samuel, you've had Eli and his sons who haven't been doing well. That's why they lost the ark, because, right. well, Eli's doing well other than not reprimanding his sons. There's a lot I <laughs> right. like about it, Eli, but his sons really aren't doing well. Um, and so they've got some bad leaders that Israel is following, and that's why they lost the ark. And then just before this, you have the story of the miraculous return of the ark. Um, and then you have, uh, uh, and it's at the loss of the ark that Eli and his sons die and his uh, daughter-in-law who is giving birth and so on. So, I mean, that whole line is, is gone. And Samuel becomes the judge, and they have a righteous judge who is also a prophet who judges all of Israel. And uh, that's unusual. And so they're, they're really, and, and you'll note in, in this one, uh, if it's for Samuel chapter seven, and I think this is really worth looking at, Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel saying, if you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtoreth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So this has to do with what you were talking about. Um, right the the quick turn to idolatry they're worshiping jehovah and these other gods that's a topic i suspect we'll talk about a hundred times during the old testament uh because it's a repeated theme um but they're they're doing that and you see they listen to samuel verse four the children of israel did put away the baalim and ostroth and serve the lord only and then samuel's going to gather israel and pray and they gather together and then they go to battle against the Philistines and look at verse eight. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, cease not to cry unto the Lord, our God for us, that he will save us out of the hands of the Philistines. Look how fully they are turning to God. Um, and so Samuel takes a young lamb and offers it for a burnt offering. And the Lord hears him. And then the Philistines draw near to battle. And the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. And they were smitten before Israel. So that's the reason they are setting up this Ebenezer, because they have come, they, they had a righteous leader, they listened to the righteous leader, they honestly repented, they honestly knew they needed to rely on God and not themselves, 
They turned to God, they made sacrifice, and God helped them. And now they want to remember that God helped them. And this goes back to that Deuteronomy idea again, that we have to remember what God is doing for us. And that's the point of the Ebenezer, is to help us remember. Now, as you said, all too often, these stones will become an idol in and of themselves. These right. things that start out as a good thing become a bad thing. And that that's another topic worth exploring. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, all too often that happens. But the good thing is, if we have something that helps us remember what God has done for us, that, that's one of the, in both Deuteronomy and in the Book of Mormon, it is one of the greatest themes. I'd say it's the third most common, if you're just going to go numerically times it's brought up. Uh, I haven't done a statistical analysis of this, but I think it's the third most common theme in the Book of Mormon is just remember. Remember, remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or remember, and, and you man. may remember yeah. President uh, Kimball once uh, gave a talk where he said, do you know what the most important word is in the English language? Uh, if you were to look it up, it might be the word remember. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. Ah, he said, that's good. You remember that he said remember. <laughs> I remember that he said that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. And I think that this is, again, going back to the, the hymn here, this is what I think he's, he's getting at, that we're remembering these times. And, and that's why I just love this whole song. And it brought this whole thing to light. I thought, you know, I can really relate with these people from Israel who struggle with their own demons and they fall away and they come back. But at this point, they're really strong. And, and that's why here in the song, it says, here I raise my Ebenezer. So this is his battle. And I, I wrote it in my, I wrote a little devotional on this. And I, this is what I wrote in, the, in a kind of a journal devotional. I wrote, did it for a devotional and on my journal. And so I said, uh, I have a thought that, that he's saying, that this pastor's saying, this is my life struggle, my Ebenezer, my my Gethsemane. This can be the scene of my defeats or can ultimately be become, become the scene of my overcoming if I struggle and persevere. So that's what I love about the song is that even though Israel falls away and that we fall away, if we still get up and we recognize, hey, we're still we're still in the fight. This is a good, we're doing good here. This, this is going to be our next challenge. Or this is a place that we've come this far. Hither by thy help I've come. I've come this far and thou hast helped me. Uh, so I like that. That's that's profound. And uh, and maybe if it's all right, we I don't think we'd plan on doing this, but maybe we can take this to the the next uh, kind of step and see how uh, Israel kind of loses that a little bit. Um, because I, I, I'm with you. This is such a poignant moment for Israel. I, I, it, to me, it's so touching that after the depths they've sunk to, Samuel gets them to come to this place where God is delivering them. So he's doing what Samson failed to do. Right. He is delivering them from the Philistines. And, and they're really uh, getting close to this so that uh, they, they pursue the Philistines and they're, they're slain and the cities of the Philistines uh, were restored to Israel, even from Ekron to Gath and so on. So they're really making progress here because they have this righteous judge. Um, but then the next thing that happens is that they, they uh, gather together, they come to Samuel. So Samuel's getting old and his sons are not doing well. And it never talks about whether he removes them or not, but I'm going to assume he removes them from their priestly offices uh, just because this right. seems to be the kind of guy that Samuel is. And he's not, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he's not given the, 
kind of punishment or, or consequences that Eli did. So I assume he, he removed them, uh, but it doesn't tell us. But then we get uh, verse five, and they said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Right. And, and later on, um, they will say that they want a king to lead them in battle uh, like all of the other nations have. So you, you see, it's so ironic that this is just after, and, and, and it's clear a number of years have gone past. Um, maybe even half a generation or kind of a generation or something. And Samuel's now much older, but that Ebenezer, which is supposed to remind them of what God has done for them. They're now at the point where they're saying, no, we need a King to do it for us. We want a King to lead us in our battle. Everyone else has one. Everybody else does it. Right. I hear right. this from my kids all the time. Everybody else has one. Everybody else does it. We need a King to lead us in battle, forgetting how well it worked when, it was God that led them in battle under Samuel. Uh, we're not under Samuel, under God, but, uh, but they were under Samuel. Uh, and, and so they've forgotten, and this will lead to much of their undoing. Uh, and so it's uh, it just such a stark contrast to me that they've raised this Ebenezer, how God has helped them, and they've already forgotten that it was God who helped them. That's so true. And I, had a, I was in a, a Sunday school class just, the, just this last Sunday with... Uh, I was sitting in for somebody. I'm in the Sunday school right now. And uh, I sat in this class and they were talking about these idols and, and how we fell into idol worship. And I said, why do they keep doing this? What's so attractive about yeah. idols? What's so attractive about a stone or a golden statue? What's so attractive about that? And they, we talked about a little like, are there, do we have these things today? Do we have idols today? And these, these kids are sharp. I mean, we had anywhere from 14 to 17 years old in there. And they were sharp. They were right on it. They're like, oh, yeah, we, we have. And they named certain people that could be idols. OK, yeah, you could have a movie star or, you know, a YouTube star. Who's that? What about cars and money? Do we find ourselves putting these idols? These are idols. Yeah. Same thing as just same thing. It's the, the world around us. The Canaanites around us have all these things. You should have this car. You should have this this watch or this ring or this this that. Or you should have your hair this way. or You should wear this. You should call yourself this. And it's no different today in our, and this isn't about a political being a podcast and I'm not throwing any political, this is about as political as I'll become on this podcast. But do we look for today for politicians to tell us what to do? Let's get right. one politician to tell us what to do. I'm like, no, you go to the PTA meeting, you go to the city council meeting, you go do these things. Stop waiting for some politician in whatever level to tell you what to do. We're going to get the smartest and the best and the greatest. No, that's your job. You teach your children. Don't wait for them to do it. Get involved in the school board. Do those Good. things. Don't, that's, that's, I find ourselves electing kings all over. We have presidents and, 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 um, and minute and, um, uh, uh, just trying to draw a blank on other world leaders, not yeah, ministers, prime ministers, prime ministers. Yeah. yeah. Prime ministers. Yeah. Why is it that they have to come up with all your ideas for you? Yeah. How are they going to govern over hundreds of millions of people? Use your own mind. Be good of your own accord. Choose yourself to do these good things. And that's what makes a good nation is when the individuals choose their path and they are righteous people or support good principle. It's not the, the valiant leader or the great, even though we're going to see Saul come up and he's heads and, heads and shoulders above everybody else. And he's a tall, he's a great military leader. But they're going to they're have a problem with that 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's so important. And, and you're right. One of the themes that we will come back to again and again is the, um, the effects of having following a righteous leader or a wicked leader. That's, that's one of the major themes of the rest of the, the Old Testament here is that Israel continually follows when, when they get a wicked leader, they follow him into wickedness. And when they get a righteous leader, they follow him into righteousness. And I'm glad they follow a righteous leader into righteousness. But the problem is how easily swayed they are. Right. And, and so choosing our leaders carefully, and I don't mean just political leaders, but although that's part of it, but thought leaders, these influencers online, um, Hollywood figures and, right. and who sing and uh, philosophers and writers and uh, you know political thinkers, the ivory tower, whatever else. Uh, we'll go through this again and again. But we allow people to influence our thoughts so much. And again, it so often comes down to we want to be like all the rest of the world. Yeah, it's very attractive. The world's very attractive. There's neat cars and neat things to have. And you could yeah. look like this and you could be that. And yeah, or, or these days it might be, you know, fame is uh, a huge idol, partially because we can all, all be so close, like we're, we're uh, maybe just one of just the right kind of uh, Instagram post away from millions of people uh, <laughs> right. liking us, right? I, I had this experience with one of my daughters, uh, she was 18, and um, she just likes to get on and post like really silly things on Instagram, she does it all the time. And uh, does similar things all the time. And one of these same kinds of things that she did a whole bunch of times suddenly got 2 million hits. Wow. Like in, in one day, just boom. Two, like <laughs> for no reason. It wasn't different than what she'd done before or after, but somehow that one caught on, right? It's just so fickle, but it's what we worship yeah. in some ways. And, exactly uh, right. and, and uh, so let's look again at how this works out in this story. When they come to Samuel and they say they want a king, uh, Samuel uh, told all the words of the, the people, uh, or words of the Lord unto the people, meaning that God had said to them, uh, hark, well, let's do that. Uh, he, the, the thing displeased Samuel, we're in chapter uh, 8, verse 6. Uh, the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me. That's one thing we have to remember when, uh, for example, the prophet gives us counsel and we decide we like what the world says better than what the prophet uh, says. And, and I should say prophets, seers and revelators. So mm -hmm. yeah. uh, better than what uh, any of those 15 people say, we, we like what the world says. Then we're not rejecting President Nelson, President Oaks, Elder Bednar or anyone else. We're rejecting God. Right. It's not that we didn't like Elder Holland's talk. We rejected God. Um, right. And we're asking God to not reign over us. So he, he basically says, well, if that's what they want, give it to them, but it's not going to work well. And right. So Samuel tells the people that and, and, and he goes through this long list in verse, uh, verses 11 through 18. He tells them all the things that are going to happen when they have a king. They're going to take your sons and daughters and to be in their military and to cook for them. And they're going to take your food and your land and so on until one day you'll, you'll cry out. Um, and uh, we won't go through it here. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes if I can remember. I've got a little chart I made of where you can take each one of these and see it fulfilled in the next like generation and a half. Oh, um, that'd be great. And, uh, and so I'll, I'll, I'll put a link for that on there. But everything Samuel says comes true. There's a good lesson that prophets seem to actually know what they're talking about. Um, but uh, uh, let, let's look at their response. Um, nevertheless, so this is in verse 19, nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, nay, but we will have a king over us 
that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Again, you see, we want to be like everyone else. We're not looking to be a peculiar people. We're not looking right. to be a holy or a different or a set apart people. We want, we're so persuaded by the world that we want to be like them. And, uh, and that turns out we're going to see it doesn't work very well for them as we go through the story of, of Saul. We'll see that. But uh, I, I think today, most of the people that I know in the church that are having struggles with following the prophet or having uh, kind of faith trials or, or spiritual struggles, most of the time, it's because they've been so influenced by the ideas of the world and what the world is teaching them and telling them is right. Uh, and it's, I tell you, it's a confusing time, especially our youth and our young single adults. They are so confused because the world is so persuasive and, and they hear the world so much that they have a hard time rejecting the world and following God. And they want to be like the world and the world has become the king over them and, and they want to be like them and not a peculiar or a holy people and follow and listen to a prophet. And uh, the, the scriptures, the Old Testament is going to give us a thousand examples of why that's a bad idea. And I just hope we can help everyone, but especially our youth and our young adults see oh, yeah. that the world is becoming a tyrant in their lives and leading them to captivity rather than to freedom, just the way Saul or Samuel has described here. Yeah, you're so right. And it's, it's interesting the way the world does this. The world does it by playing on the, the good intentions of people. People want to be nice. People want to be inclusive. People want to be that. All great things. All great things. Until they add that one little extra. But now you have to do this or you have to do that. Or you can't do this. Or, you know, yeah. they, they, they take the, the good intentions of people and then they just twist it a little bit. And then you're like, wait, we're no longer in good principle anymore. This isn't good principle. This is what I feel is right or what, what the crowd feels. I'm going to follow the crowd. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very, it is very confusing. I don't know how to navigate all this. I've got children of my own and it's, it's a so far so good, but it's, it's a struggle sometimes. Oh yeah. Uh, it's funny. Uh, as an adult, you look at, um, look back at yourself when you were a teenager in high school, and maybe there are a couple of people who it's not this way, but I think most people can look back and say, you know, there were a lot of things I was really worried about, about fitting in. Yeah. That in the end, that's just, it was just stupid, right? Did I have the right kind of clothes? Did I, right. did I do my hair the right kind of way? Right. Um, right. What if everyone else was uh, doing this with their ear, this with their hair, or this with the coloring of their hair, or tattoos or fake tattoos or, or what, you know, and I, yeah. I, you know, how do I fit in if I'm not doing that? And you look back now and you think, what in the world? How was I so <laughs> silly? Um, but it's such a big deal at the time. Right. And, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of those are small things. Yeah, so you colored your hair blue, I don't know, whatever. I mean, that's not a big, big thing. I mean, it could bespeak some underlying big things and it, and it could not, right? That's, it's, that's right. not a big thing. But, um, but some of the, the, the silliness of it can translate into uh, being so influenced by the world that then when these ideas come, you're just as influenced and the ideas of the world have a much bigger influence on who you are and on what you do and what you become. And, and that's what we have to be really careful of is how influenced we are by the ideas of the world. Uh, and, and so hopefully we can learn lessons from, uh, you know, the, 
the silly little things that I have the right, you know, so when I was growing up, did, did you have ocean Pacific shorts or not? Right? Uh, These oh yeah. Of OP shorts. Yeah. OP, town, that's the exactly town and right. country shirts. Those OP shorts, yeah. town and country shirts, the vans. I know. Yeah. And vans. Yeah. That's exactly yeah, right. I have a vans, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I look back now, I think I, why did I ever even care? I don't know <laughs> what was wrong with me. And I didn't care as much as some people, but I, I, I mean, I still cared. I was like, Oh, look, that person, everyone likes how he looks. I better look that way. Right. <laughs> um, and that's a small thing, but hopefully I can take that lesson and say, okay, now I'm worried. Everybody likes how that person thinks and the world really ostracizes you if you don't think that way. Um, and in the end, it's still like, okay, are you wearing OP shorts or not? Right. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what it still is. Um, but, but it's hard to see while you're in the middle of it. Uh, and that's what happened to Israel. Right. And let me throw a little bit of hope into this, this whole mix. You know, the class we had, again, it was a couple classes combined because we had some teachers out. Um, and so it was 14 through 16 or 14 through 17. And I said, well, what's the difference? Is it, is it bad to have a nice car? I mean, is that a bad thing to have a nice car? Is it bad to have a nice watch or to dress nicely? I mean, the scriptures talk about being neat and comely, right? Is it, is it a bad thing? And oh, one of the other things I mentioned as an idol was, you know, worshiping your body, like when you um, working out to the point where uh, that's all you do. Well, my wife's a fitness instructor. She spends at least four hours a day working out in some, some respect. So I'm like, well, is that a bad thing? And my daughter is in this class, right? You know, she's like, well, my mom's a fitness instructor. She works it all the time. I'm like, so that's a great point. Where does it become the difference between having something nice and it becoming an idol? And mm -hmm. I think the key to look for is, and, and the, the kids identified it. I put the word on it, but they identified it. Well, it's when you are trying to be better than someone else. Yeah. When you're trying to be it, the difference is pride. It is pride. And that's what president Benson talked about. Many other, the other, uh, authorities and things have talked about the dangers of pride in our lives when when it becomes more about the thing than about what the thing represents it's great to have a nice car i like to have a nice car to to uh you know that doesn't break down and it's yeah. looks good and keep it clean and whatever that's great okay um not a problem with that it's not not a bad thing to have a nice house invite people over and and you know a, a warm and inviting welcoming place that's not a bad thing but when it becomes the point of where you have to have that car or the OP shorts because you have to fit in with that. The OP short, I had a great pair of corduroy OP shorts. They were great. They lasted for a long time. But it's one of those shorts or the vans or whatever. When you look down on someone else for not having those, now you've crossed over. Now you've gone from it being a good tool or a comely, an eat and comely appearance. When the pride is added to it, now you've now it's become an idol. Again. The, the, this, this Ebenezer is uh, in Deuteronomy. It's a great, it's a monument. But when the people come back and start worshiping the monument, no, yeah. you messed it all up. <laughs> yeah. And, and if we were going to take President Benson's talk on pride and, and remember Which, one of his excellencies there was uh, that sometimes it's the pride of the, those who don't have uh, aspiring for uh, about those who do have. Right? And, right. and so we could turn that around. Uh, are you looking down on yourself because you don't have OP shorts? Right. In which case, right. again, it has become a, an idol or a, the, the world is influencing you too much. And, and maybe right. I'll just share um, uh, the respect I have for one person. And, and in a way, this is an Ebenezer for her. And I, I won't mention a name. And I hope uh, she's listening. She'll probably recognize that uh, I'm talking about her. I hope she'll forgive me. But uh, a woman that I know that uh, I respect a tremendous amount. Um, she's older than I am. 
and uh, came from a, a kind of normal, humble background, um, but ended up, uh, she and her husband and some people they were involved with ended up with very successful business. And uh, when they sold it, it was for millions and millions. And, you know, they've got plenty of money and could buy all sorts of stuff. Uh, but she told us once that just to make sure she doesn't get caught up in any of that, she makes sure she buys all of her pants from Walmart. <laughs> well, uh, just as a way of reminding herself that this kind of thing is not important. Uh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with buying your pants from Walmart. I, I buy mine from wherever I can find the cheapest stuff, but sure. uh, but that's a kind of an Ebenezer for her, right? This is how she reminds herself. I'm not going to get caught up in the, the stuff the world tells me is important. I'm not going to get worried about that. I'm going to keep uh, God first in my life. And so uh, for that, that's just one little thing she's done. So we can all find our own little Ebenezers to help us not get caught up in the ways of the world. Yeah, that's excellent. That's great. And, you know, let me finish this out by the end of this, uh, this, this uh, hymn that we were talking about, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. In verse four, it says, O to grace, how great a debtor daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bring my wandering heart to thee. Now, a fetter uh, is, is like a handcuff it's, or it's a, it's a chain. It's a bond. Yeah. Yeah. And the okay. ankles are the hands. Yeah. That's exactly yeah, right. Ankles, hands, whatever. So it's a fetter. And I thought this was interesting. The fact that he uses something of like, seems like oppressive. Is it oppressive? Yeah. It is, binds is it you fetter? to something. Right? Do you want to be... But it's you're bound, right? Yeah. So let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. So what excellent imagery is in this song? Because uh, he's not looking for oppression. He's not looking to be bound. He's looking to be bonded, held tight, held fast with God. Don't let me, don't let me wander away. Let me bring me back. And then the next part of that, this is still verse four. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. So there you go. So he's, he's, he knows his tendency to get away. Don't want to get away. Find me with something strong, something tight. Um, here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it, for, seal it for thy courts above. So interesting imagery, I thought, in this whole thing. Like, don't let me get away. You know, find me, find me, hold me fast, you know. And so I think about this sometimes. I, I tell them when I teach seminary or Sunday school or whatever, I'll say to them, you know, are the, are the gospel rules, are, is, are, are the things we go by, the word of wisdom, for instance, are these restrictive things? Yeah, they are restrictive. Do they hold you back with some things? Yeah, sometimes. Are you better off without them? Probably, definitely you are. Yeah. You know, so, um, so this is the interesting thing. This is, this is a, in the, in the hymn and also in our lives, this is a, um, a point where it's not, someone else oppressing you it's not the lord telling you you can't do this this is a voluntary thing that we are entering into hey I, I want you to bind me so that i don't i don't get off the track if i wander bring me back hold me get, get that bring that chain around you know yeah bring yeah. me back to thee so that's, that's a that's a beautiful stuff yeah, something we want yeah yeah and and I th i'd say we're all prone to wander. That's a description of all of us. There's a natural man inside all of us. We're all prone to wander. And then what was it? Uh, I, I, tell me if I'm remembering this right. You've got the, the lyrics in front of you. Um, but it was his goodness that was supposed to be the fetter and bind. God's goodness was supposed to bind us to God. Is that what it was that would be the fetter to God? It says, um, oh, how great, oh, to grace, how great a debtor, 
daily I am constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, yeah. find thy wandering heart. Let, let your grace find me. Yeah. 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 And his God's goodness. So we're all prone to wander. We're all fallen beings uh, and we're all prone to wander. But it is remembering the goodness of God. The tender mercies is another way of saying it. Um, the, the, how God has helped us. Uh, right. Uh, but that's what should bind us to God is remembering what God has done and can do for us should bind us to him. And, and then we remember that by having these different Ebenezers in our life, whether that's writing a, a journal. And President Eyring has suggested we write down the, the little yeah. miracles in our lives to help us right. remember God's goodness, whether that be we uh, we commemorate, you know, we have a picture of the temple to remember what God has, has done for us and making those ordinances possible, whatever. And it should be multiple things that we do to help us remember God's goodness. Uh, that's the that that goodness or that help that as right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should Ezra. bind us to God so that we don't wander because we are prone to wander. Agreed. That's why the song has become one of my very favorite. I play it all the time. I, I like my kids. I know I have it on repeat sometimes. It's like, what's wrong with that guy? I'll listen to that song. <laughs> I don't know. That's not all I was to. But, but anyway, that's why this song became so impactful for me. Being there at that temple dedication, and I'm like, huh, I'm going to look into that song. And I wrote, saw this whole thing and wrote this devotional slash um, uh, um, journal entry about it. And I thought, yeah, this is this is really something that I'm going to remember in my life. It's a it's my Ebene, just like Robert, uh, what's his name, uh, Robert Robinson, just like him. And this here, I raise my my Ebenezer. I'm like, okay, it's these are times I'm recognize what I'm doing. The Lord has brought me this far, and you know, hold tight. That's good. Well, thank you, Lamar. We hope that uh, that others are inspired to avoid the world and remember God's goodness and. Uh, uh draw power from these stories uh we, we have got lots more to uh talk about as we go through the first and second samuel and first and second kings there's we're in uh, a fast forward motion for the next while in in the come follow me we cover a lot of material quickly but i think this has been a good one i hope it's been helpful for people excellent me too i hope it's uh hope that made some difference to somebody somewhere all right well have a good day and and let people uh know about the, the good things that are happening in your life. I'm going to go put a stone in my front yard right now. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs>